From the newsrooms of The Daily Press and The Virginian Pilot, this is Beyond the Headlines. I'm Marie Albigez. Each week, we interview reporters from our newsrooms about how and why they covered a story. This week, Catherine Hafner joins me to talk about her investigation on the state of recycling in Virginia. Here's me and Catherine. Catherine, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. So you decided to kind of take an overall look at the state of recycling in Hampton Roads and even in Virginia. Why do this story? So I have been wondering about what's going on with our recycling for a long time. Um, Last year, or possibly even in 2017, we had a few stories about how China had restricted which materials they were going to accept worldwide. Um, And that was pretty much the largest market for a lot of recyclables um, in America. So that was having a huge impact on municipalities and companies because they no longer had a place to ship all of this material once they were getting it. So I had seen a lot of national stories about various cities in the U.S. having to take their recyclables to the dump and just, you know, using the landfill because they had nowhere else to to put them. Right, and And stop offering people, citizens, the option to recycle. Right, although a lot of them did not tell citizens. They just started taking, you know, they, they were still collecting it from a blue bin or what have you, but taking it to a landfill instead without public notice. Um, in some cases because they thought, well, hopefully the market's going to rebound and so we don't want to get people out of the habit of recycling. So I was wondering if that was happening here. Um, so that's kind of why I decided to start looking into it. And then because everything was kind of so tied to the state level, I just expanded it to Virginia. And you talked to, I think, nine or ten people for this. Your article was sourced really well. But I feel like the individual consumer is, like you said, just throwing it in the blue bin when they think it's appropriate to be recycled, not knowing whether or not where it's actually going. So how did you find that Virginia has been affected by the China problem? So there's a lot of different ways that the China ban, essentially, or restrictions have affected the market here in Virginia. Let's start with kind of what you mentioned earlier, where people will throw just about anything in a blue bin. That is known in the industry as wishful recycling. And for a long time, I mean, it's been an issue for a long time, but it was made more urgent in the wake of the China decision because basically they were making it so the materials have to be pretty much pristine and free of all food waste for them to be accepted. And one issue with that is the wishful recycling because people will throw anything in the blue bin and it will contaminate the whole lot. And so oftentimes that leads to either the recyclables not being able to be shipped overseas because they are contaminated or maybe they can't be used at all and you know they would just get uh, tossed. And it's important to note that Much of what is tossed in Hampton Roads goes to the Waste 2 energy plant in Portsmouth, so not always a landfill, although, you know, that is not always the case. Um, So just wanted to throw that out there. But anyway, so wishful recycling is the notion that people are not sure whether they recycle something, so they just toss it in hoping for the best. But the industry is, you know, very much discourages that, although they could do a lot better job um, because basically... It's just leading to all of these contamination issues, and it's just ruining the whole lot rather than being positive in any way. So let's back up a bit. Why did China stop accepting a lot of our recyclables in the first place? 
basically China said we are going to stop being the world's dumping ground because all of this waste was coming into their country. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to blame them for that because they're saying we don't want to deal with your waste. Um, so that's the, the predominant reason. Um, it's pretty simple. But not everyone in China, you know, people on the ground, industry people agree with that because they were getting a lot of, you know, paper products, et cetera, from from the U.S., um, but that's what the government had decided, and it's not, it doesn't seem likely to change and, you know, revert back at any point. So a lot of um, materials that are still shipped overseas from Hampton Roads in Virginia is going not to China, but to India and Southeast Asia, so that market has kind of um, opened or expanded a little bit um, as a result, but those countries are also, I think, starting to rethink their policies on that, so there could be changes coming on that front. So this seems like an obvious question, but why did we start sending our waste to China in the first place and now are sending it to India and Southeast Asia? Why is there not a way to take care of it here in the U.S.? I think a big part of it is just not having the capacity to deal with it here. That's something that could change if suddenly all of these plants opened where, you know, Americans could just ship their products you know, down the block and have them recycled into new products. But a lot of the time, American companies can't compete with the prices abroad. And so they're just shipping those products overseas. Uh, For example, in Hampton Roads, where we're right near the port, TFC Recycling here in uh, Chesapeake told me that it was cheaper for them to send the materials to China than it was to Richmond, because essentially they were backhauling these products on you know, ships that came over here and were unloading uh, products and then they were needed weight on the way back to keep them um, stable. So they were basically paying nothing to ship those. Um, That's not the case with India and a lot of other places. So they're now also paying a lot more uh, to do that, which adds to the cost uh, in addition to, you know, the market turbulence. Um, But that's one reason. And because of the changes in the market, some new paper mills have been opening up and, you know, um, hopefully that would continue in America because now they can compete. Um, there's a company retrofitting an old paper mill in um, Hanover County currently that's supposed to open, I think, in 2024 or so. Um, so there's examples like that. There's maybe a dozen or so paper mills that I think were recently announced to be coming online. But, it, it, you know, we're a long way off from being our own market and being able to have that loop closed within the country. And presumably those will come with more jobs, hopefully decent paying jobs, as well as just a, a revenue back to the state, right? Presumably, yes. Um, obviously, having you know five jobs in America is better than nothing at a mill that might not have existed. So any jobs that come with that would be a positive um, in addition to kind of environmental and other advantages. So you went and toured the material recovery facility in Chesapeake. What was that like? So that was really interesting. Um, That's one of the first things I wanted to do to get a sense of, you know, the the premise being where does our recycling go? I wanted to go there. So um, it's not the only facility in Hampton Roads or Virginia, obviously, but um, I think it's very representative and it's been around since I believe the 70s or 80s and expanded at, at some point. It's essentially a big trash plant. Um, You know, you walk in and it's very dusty and there's loads of waste being unloaded from trucks every day. Um, I believe it was 400 tons that 
of waste that comes into the plant each day. And all of those items are kind of shuffled up a conveyor belt and goes through an initial sorting station. Um, and there's workers there trying, it, it's moving very quickly, but they're trying to spot things that they can see are not recyclable and throw them into the trash. Um, but there's definitely stuff that makes it through just because it's coming so quickly. And then it's kind of just conveyor belts throughout the whole facility with workers stationed at various points. Um, and they're using, you know, metal sorting ma machines and all these different machinery that helps sort the items into the different categories. And then at the end, uh, the products that do make it through are all bailed into these, you know, thousands of pounds bales that are then either shipped overseas or uh, a lot of them are taken to the Carolinas if they're plastic um, and that sort of thing. And you talk about in your story how um, localities have had to renegotiate contracts because of the whole China problem. Um, what are some of the localities that have had to change up or, or increase rates? One of the reasons I was interested in this issue also is because TFC Recycling, which I've mentioned is the you know place that I toured with, etc. They had last year opted out of their contract with Norfolk because they cited the, the China issue and said, look, we are losing money on this. We don't know what to do with all of this recycling. We can't afford to um, collect and process your waste anymore. So they were requesting an additional, additional processing fee, and Norfolk wasn't sure that they wanted to do that. So they spent the past year negotiating over this. One of the things that helped Norfolk realize they wanted to continue the program was that they sent out a survey to residents asking them if they would be willing to pay slightly more to keep the program. And it was one of the, you know, most positive surveys they've ever sent out. You know, lots of people responded, more than usual for a citizen survey. And it indicated to the council that recycling was important to people. So they finally negotiated a contract that adds this processing fee for the city. And um, Chesapeake is now going through the same thing. They haven't made any decisions to date that I'm aware of, but they're currently evaluating whether they can continue their program. Uh, Virginia Beach... I believe it's still in the same contract since the China started. China issue started, um, but Suffolk currently has a request for proposals out as well. The historic triangle with Williamsburg and Yorktown um, renegotiated and had to pay more recently. So it, it's happening all over. And a lot of places in Virginia have had to cancel their recycling programs because they simply can't afford it. So there are these requirements that the state sets on, you know, you have to recycle this much in this date. So what are those standards right now? So since the 1980s, I believe, Virginia, the Department of Environmental Quality has mandated or really given guidelines on how much of the waste in each locality should be recycled. And that standard has been set at 25% since the 80s. It has not you know, been increased at any point. In, I believe, the 90s, there was a second tier for smaller localities um, that said l smaller localities could actually do 15% um, because they're often struggling with, with money challenges and that sort of thing. In fact, a lot of the places that have had to cancel their recycling programs were smaller, more rural, um, and far from some of these uh, facilities that were closing because of the China issue. Um, so it's at 15 and 20 or 25 and 15 percent respectively. But like I said, those are kind of guidelines because DEQ does not enforce that. Um, when a locality, you know, fails to meet that, they would work out some sort of remedial plan with the department. But um, there's not really a, an inform enforcement mechanism. So do you know why it's a guideline and not a requirement? 
I really can't speak to, you know, why state offices are the way they are. Um, uh, someone at DEQ, the woman in charge of, you know, this department, basically said that, you know, that's the power that was given to them by the legislature. And so that's their job. Well, that's a good point, because it's I'm thinking with the new Democratic majority in the General Assembly next year, who is focused on environmental issues, on making Virginia greener, that this might be something to come up. I know that they have tried in the past to create a plastic bag ban or allow localities individually to ban plastic bags at the expense of the uh, the grocery stores and whoever is giving out those plastic bags that would have to charge uh, extra for those. So uh, in your reporting, did you see any kind of indication of, you know, now that the Democrats are, are in the majority in the legislature, uh, could those things come up and become law? Um, I wouldn't say through my reporting I saw much about that. And obviously this was before the election um, when that you know, changed, but those efforts have been often blocked by Republicans. So I would imagine that's something that could come up. And um, even the city of Virginia Beach actually indicated to DEQ that they would like to see some sort of, pla- you know, help getting the plastic bag ban passed. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And um, plastic bags in general are very annoying to the recycling industry because they can get caught in the equipment and slow things down for the whole day. Um, and people think that they are recyclable, which they are, but not curbside. They have to be taken to grocery store and um, they're not really made into new products except for um, decking and construction use. It's not you know, going to make a new plastic bag. So your story kind of breaks down the major things that people think can be recycled and the major things that can actually be recycled. What were some of the biggest surprises that caught your attention in terms of what you can and can't recycle? Well, the guiding principle that I heard was that you should be recycling only paper, bottles, and cans. So you think that that sounds, you know, normal, but then you realize that you're standing over the bin carrying a a clean yogurt container or pizza box and you know, a lot of people think that that can be recycled and it really can't, um, at least not in our area, because um, things are different between localities. But um, so I think just all of the plastic items that you thought might be recyclable and may be recyclable, but not curbside, um, like that, you know, container that you get your sandwich or salad in that's called clamshell or just all the plastic wrapping that, you know, everything comes in. None of that is recyclable and it's really just paper bottles and cans. So you mentioned the difference between curbside recycling and taking things to a plant somewhere else that don't that can't necessarily be recycled curbside. So what are some of the options for taking those things that can't normally be recycled elsewhere? It's a little hard to generalize, but there are a lot of, depending on your city, there are a lot of different options. So some have private options like, you know, say your local grocery store, most of those accept something like a plastic bag. Um, But then also some cities do, you know, yard waste pickup and that sort of thing. Um, And actually, there's a regional initiative that just launched called, well, the initiative was already there called Ask HR Green, but they recently launched a website where you can click on your city and see what all of the options are. Um, So I think it's better to just direct people to that sort of thing or call their city if they have questions because uh, there's a million different things out there. So if you're interested, you should really just do your research um, because curbside is the most common, but it's just one option for, for recycling. 
And you say in your story that when you were at the plant, you saw all kinds of things that could not be recycled that were there. Like you saw a toaster. What else did you see? Yeah, it was really enlightening because I, you know, I was only standing by the initial sorting station for five minutes or so. And, you know, I saw wrapping paper. I saw lights like electrical cords. Um, I saw clothes. I saw shoes. Um, Like you said, a toaster. Uh, A woman up in northern Virginia who was talking about what she sees come through her local facility said that she saw a kitchen sink one time. Um, It's just kind of unbelievable. But again, I don't think that, you know, the cities or the industry is really doing such a great job of putting out there what should and shouldn't be recycled. So, you know, I think this website is probably a good start. Um, But hopefully, maybe on the actual cans someday you would you would see what not to recycle. But yeah, something like clothes, you know, you take that to goodwill, you don't put it in your curbside bin. Another thing that's um, kind of surprising in Virginia is that all pretty much all of the glass that you're recycling is not being recycled. It's going to a landfill to line the landfill. Um, It's crushed and used as alternative daily cover. Um, So that actually counts toward the recycling rate, even though it's, you know, not being formed into a new product. Um, And that's because Virginia doesn't have any glass, they call them glass beneficiation facilities, um, to properly clean the glass to the standards needed to make it into new products. So I think people find that surprising. Um, So that's something to be aware of. But because it's so heavy, people still recommend that you recycle it versus throw it in the trash because it could increase the tipping fee by being in the trash. And you report on some initiatives. I think in Northern Virginia, there's one. And I've seen this at local grocery stores where it's like a bottle service where you can, um, you know, I do this where I uh, get my milk in a glass bottle and the company, if I bring it back to the grocery store, I get $2 off and I can just sub in the next bottle. Yeah. So the bottle bill, which is kind of what you describe, is something that Virginia has not passed, but some states have. Um, So that's one way that people um, want to affect change with the glass industry because it is so tricky um, to be able to encourage the industry to buy back glass bottles. Um, but in Northern Virginia, they've they've stopped accepting glass curbside, but they uh, created these big purple bins where you can drop off glass, which tends to be cleaner because you're taking the initiative to drop it off. Um, and then they have a new facility up there where they um, turn it into new products, not like a bottle, but um, because, again, Virginia doesn't have any of those facilities, but Um, for construction and that sort of thing. Um, So they have a program where they're trying to do more with glass. So that's something to keep an eye on, maybe something that would come down here eventually. So what are some of the top recycling tips that you can kind of leave listeners with? Well, again, just follow the mantra of paper bottles and cans. Um, I would get in the habit of thinking about what you're throwing away before you do, I would get in the habit of cleaning anything out because regardless of whether you're confused about what you can recycle, if it has food waste, it's going to contaminate other things. So um, definitely try to, you know, look up ahead of time so that you know in the moment because if you're cooking dinner and you have kids around, you know, it's hard to, to sit there and try to make those decisions. So try to read up and learn about it ahead of time and then just have it be reflexive. Um, and don't give up on recycling. <laughs> um, I think learning how much of our waste is, uh, in fact, going to a landfill or to the waste energy plant can be discouraging, but um, a lot of it is still being recycled, and um, it's always best to be in the habit. It'll be uh, interesting to see what happens uh, next year in the General Assembly. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for your reporting. No problem. Thanks for having me. 
That's it for this week. You can find all the episodes of Beyond the Headlines wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a comment and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. I'm Marie Albajez. Thanks for listening.